Welcome to Launch Codes, the podcast about marketing operations, artificial intelligence, and more. Each week, you'll hear from experts as they share insights, stories, and strategies. Welcome to Episode 5. I'm your host, Joe Peters. On today's episode, we're covering the first shakedowns in the AI industry, the next generation of marketing operations, answering a question from the MOPS community, a couple of hot takes, how to know if your MOPS team is ready for AI, and what personal information would you give away for a good deal? Today, I'm joined by Matt Tonkin. Morning, Matt. Hey, Joe. Which topics are you excited about today? I think, personally, most excited about next generation of marketing ops. Um, It's always, I know personally, getting into marketing ops, I think back like, I don't really know how I got into marketing ops. I just kind of got thrown at it. Um, So it's interesting to think of people now planning their careers and like learning things specifically to get into this, Um, because I think a lot of people in the space are are like me. You just sort of fall into it. Yeah, there was no uh, marketing ops (laughs) program at uh, college or university. (laughs) That's for sure, right? No, you just sort of uh, you get handed a system. It's like, do you know how to do this? I'll try, <laughs> especially when <laughs> you're younger, you, just, you just figure it out. <laughs> yeah, figure it out, Matt. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's uh, talk about our first topic, which is the first shakedowns in the AI industry. And this came from the CEO of The Atlantic, Nicholas Thompson. I have a real soft spot for his daily videos uh, that he produces on LinkedIn. And so what he was saying where we're seeing the shakedown appearing at first is companies say they're solving complicated problems with AI. And what we saw maybe, you know, three or four months ago, maybe a little longer, they're using API calls to GPT 3.5, but they're not really doing anything besides that. And so when you do that, one, you have no barrier to competition. And two, GPT-4 comes along and is working better than your finely tuned GPT-3.5 model. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's true. I've seen a few of these uh, companies where, yeah, it's just essentially, it's a really nice looking way to interact with uh, chat GPT, essentially. Um I don't know if that's necessarily, I guess it depends on the market, right? Like in our space, I think we have enough um, people that we know and and team members that are capable of working directly with the systems that it it doesn't make sense for us. But I can see when you don't have that level of technical knowledge, having a nice clean setup that you can work with, there's a real benefit to that. Um, But yeah, it's sort of what's that worth to you, right? Exactly. And what we're seeing is so many new features are being added into GPT. Seems almost on a weekly basis. Last week, you know, with the ability to upload a photo and get it to interpret it for you. I think, you know, in a week or so, we're going to see the Dolly 3 integration. You know, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with GPT 4 with the you know, pro subscription. Wow. You've got to have a real value proposition with these other tools. Yeah, definitely. And I think 
you're right. Like ChatGPT did the work on getting the actual model out, getting the base interactions. And yeah, companies started, you know, building a nice way to interact with that. Doesn't mean ChatGPT is going to just sit around and and not start making it smoother, making it cleaner. Um, yeah, to me, it's that it's that balance of what's what's the target market, who's actually interacting with it. Um, you know, and I think there's areas where it's a skin over it to, but it makes it good for teams to collaborate and work together. Whereas, you know, there's some sharing available in ChatGPT, but maybe it's not quite what a team is looking for yet. There, there's a few benefits, but I definitely see you know, where are those going to be in six months? Yeah. And if you are one of those platforms, you've got to keep on innovating. Staying still is not a real option right now. And if you're based on sort of a structure around three P GPT 3.5, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Cause it does. If the results aren't as good, it doesn't matter how clean it is. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and what kind of moat do you have? There's zero moat in that situation. So we'll, I think we'll continue to see some shakedowns, which is very normal uh, when we start to have further adoption of technology. There's usually a consolidation yeah. and different companies dropping off, but we're starting to see a few that we're raising our eyebrows. We'll be fair and won't name any names, but. We're seeing a few that were like, mm, I'm not sure what you've got under the hood here, but it doesn't seem like very much. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Matt, question for you. How are your fortune telling skills? Very, very bad, Joe. I think uh, in the like, <laughs> I, I think in the early 10s, I thought I was going to, you know, grab some Bitcoin and I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't I don't need it right now. And I think I looked like if I put like 100 bucks in that, it would have been good for me. But so so bad uh, to say the least, but maybe a bit better for um, from talking about marketing operations than financial advice. Right, right. Uh, or predicting your hockey team's uh, winning seasons and things uh, like that. I can predict yeah. that. I can predict that. <laughs> That'll be it. We, we could have a whole other episode on that altogether. Yeah. Matt, unfortunately, is a Maple Leafs fan. And, you know, we have a, a little bit of a problem with that from time to time. However, let's stick uh, to, the, to the script here. Yeah. The next generation of marketing operations. AI has enabled teams to carry out marketing automation functions in no-code, low-code situations which is really bringing about less dependence on IT teams. So Matt, do you think that coding is still a necessary skill in MOPS? And will, will it be that way in five years from now? So it's interesting because this implies that it has been a necessary skill. And while it's right. definitely an important skill, and I think for career growth and just troubleshooting on your own, it's definitely important. I think a lot of people in MOPS can get by with maybe rudimentary knowledge of it. Um, but that's not to say it's not really important and can grow. Um, so is it still necessary? I'd say if you want to, you know, not have to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, developer agencies or things like that. Yes, uh, definitely is. But I think the idea of uh, it, will it still be in five years comes down to 
more where you get your code from, how how it comes to you. So is coding still necessary? I used to go to, you know, different sites and like, how do you do this and whatever, CSS or Python, whatever I'm doing. Now you can go to ChatGPT and it's giving you the code, but it's not usually perfect. So for me, the key is, will being able to code still be necessary in five years for mobs? Yes and no. Code literacy. Being able to read the code and understand what it's trying to do and at least modify it. That's where I found myself lately is, you know, I'll ask for something, it spits it out, and I can at least understand what it's doing. And when something goes wrong, I can troubleshoot it and say like, oh, okay, I can I can see why this isn't working. Maybe I wouldn't have been able to write it from scratch easy, but I can at least understand what's happening. And I think that's the important, important part is the literacy of it. Yeah, I think we're seeing that in everything. If you're just in a situation where you have zero background information or context, GPT may seem like a genius, but you don't have anything to filter that against. But what I've found when you actually have any in-depth knowledge around a topic, whether that's coding or an issue or a technology, and you ask GPT around it, you're going to need to fine tune it and it's going to maybe be 80, 90% right. But it still requires a little bit of work on your part. And that's no different with the coding. You need to have a foundation there if you're going to be able to build upon what's being generated for you. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Um, It's the same with anything, right? The idea of um, hallucinations within chat GPT. If you don't know what you're asking it, you have no idea if it's actually hallucinating or not. But, you know, you ask it a random history question. and It's like, I don't think we went to the moon in 1420 or whatever the case you can right? you you know like no that's that's not quite right and you can say are you sure and they'll be like my apologies you're correct i am wrong and and that sort of thing so whether that gets less important as the models are refined and things get better uh that, that that's a possibility yeah i do see some of the things that people are talking about with the next iteration to GPT-5 that they're really working on the hallucination Mm -hmm. issue uh, in particular. But listen, these are early days. We're coming up on the very first days of, uh, or the first anniversary of GPT-3 being released to the world. So we're we're not even in a, in a year yet, and we've already seen some amazing progress. So we'll, we'll continue to see that. All right, let's move on to what is quickly becoming one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which is our community question. So thanks to Mike Rizzo and uh, marketingops.com for allowing us to dive into a question from the community there. So this week, Matt, our question is, what, in your opinion, are the most common pitfalls that companies make when building out their MOPS function? Yeah, this one's an interesting one for me, um, because I think it can kind of go to two ends of the spectrum for the biggest pitfalls. And one would be um, over uh, overly siloed and not siloed enough. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when you're building out the marketing operations function and, and marketing in general, it's sort of a, an attachment to sales or an afterthought. 
and you know it's it's not really contributing in the way you'd think of a true revenue operations setup where marketing collaborates with sales collaborates with customer service so i think sometimes it can just kind of be forgotten about and you know you maybe hire someone who's really junior and hey, I shouldn't say anything because I told you earlier in the podcast that that's essentially how I got into mops, right? Is I got thrown in and said, yeah. hey, figure this out. Um, but that's probably not the best way to do it, even though I think it's how a lot of mops people develop now. Um, it goes back to, you know, what's that new generation look like? And I think that's building out a cohesive um, rev ops where, you know, everyone's working together. That doesn't mean that you can't have some separation for marketing to you know get their own tools that are going to work for them um but it's about that collaboration while still knowing what job is being done um so that's sort of where i'd i'd go with it yeah it's amazing to me when i speak to different people in different industries i feel like b2b SaaS and b2b tech have really figured out the concept of RevOps and the idea of having that even at the, it, we can even exclude customer success for the time being, but just that sync up between sales and marketing and how it can be so much better than it has been historically yeah. when, you, when you build that concept out in the organization. And <laughs> we see it so much on, on a daily basis because that's what we're living and breathing, but it's still a foreign concept to a lot of organizations. A lot. But I also think there's a maturity that happens not only in thinking about the structure and building out the teams, uh, but also as the organization evolves itself. So if it's you know moving from mid market to you know to large size mid market to the beginnings of enterprise, there's going to be an evolution and a shift in the building out of the team, just as a yep. function of scale too. Definitely. And it's so hard to pr like plan for that sort of growth, right? To say like, okay, we just need this right now, but we want to build a team or build a tech stack that allows us to scale. And it's really hard. Um, I think smart organizations can do that. If they have a question and say, Matt, what does a five-year growth plan if we're doubling every two and a half years? Mm -hmm. Then you can start to think about that. I, I thought there was an interesting post by Daryl Alfonso last week on three tiers of marketing operations structures showing from kind of the smaller SMB moving up to enterprise and how that cascades out. And obviously he had an ideal structure there, but I think that actually there are routes for people to think through and consider as you're building out your teams. Yeah, and I think that's all about having that experience early on. So you know, like, okay, here's, if we're going to grow like this, this is how we have to prep. This is, you know, in five years, this is who we need. This is what we need. We don't need it now, but we need to know how we get there. And some of them are just really great additions. Like, let's add some analytics capability yeah. into our team so that, you know, we can do some really good custom reports and make some great strategic decisions that from the data that we're presented yeah. with. Yeah. And that goes back to the whole RevOps tying that together. Everyone can use that data. Yeah. Anyway, we could spend a whole podcast yeah. just on that, but 
let's move let's move along here and like to thank our sponsor NAC uh, for sponsoring today's episode. NAC is a no-code platform that allows you to build campaigns in minutes. Stop wasting time and money on hand-coded templates. Visit NAC.com to learn more. That's K-N-A-K.com. All right. Well, we're moving on to our hot takes section of the podcast. And the first question is, your MOPS team ready for AI? Before deciding on which tools to ask, ask if your team is ready. And this is a Forbes article, had three questions. I'm going to read those out so that we can tackle them all. Do we have an experimentation and feedback loop process in our organization? Question one. Do we have the right data and quality for implementing a generative AI project? That's two. Do we have the right team with the skills and mindset to work on the next AI project? That's the last one. What are your thoughts here, Matt? Yeah, uh, number one. So like the experimentation and feedback loop is interesting to me because I think it, it covers that idea of, you know, you probably have a lot of team members who are already playing around with this. So it's not like it's not like you need to get people going on this. People are going to find it just on their own and play around. But a lot of people just aren't thinking about this in their day to day work life. So how can you capitalize on that? How can you, you know, understand what they're doing and share that? Um, I know I've had conversations with our team members where they say something about what they're doing with chat GPT. And I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. There's a plugin for reading full PDFs. And I've been like copy and pasting like bit by bit and saying like, okay, just let me finish pasting these four <laughs> lines because you can't read more than 2000 characters or whatever. And there was a thing I could do the whole time and save time. So just having that conversation and iterative process and tying that in with, um, you know, business goals apart from just, whatever personal goals people are doing. Yeah, I think the more we can think in use cases and defining it that way and drilling down, I think it can really help organizations advance their AI adoption. But I like this that second question around the right data and quality for implementing a generative AI project. Matt, before there was even AI, We've been working with dirty data and helping our clients solve that issue for for a long time. So it's no different here, but maybe it's more important than ever to help resolve some of these data issues, especially around quality, when you're looking at what your opportunities are moving forward. Exactly. The the dirty data is a huge thing. We talk about it all the time. And and the, the concept of right data. I think um, probably one of the problems, too, that we probably have a lot of good ideas on what we can do with the AI, but the stuff that you're trying to use to populate the model, you never recorded it because it never occurred to you that it would be useful. So if suddenly you are you have this great idea, but you don't have the data, how do you get it as quickly as possible? But getting it as quickly as possible could be something that skews it, too, right? So unfortunately, if you didn't have that foresight a year ago to be collecting certain things, it might be a bit harder. Um, but hopefully you have that data and it was clean enough to, you know, get whatever project you have now off the ground. Right, right. And then I think this last question of 
teams and skills, I think the number one skill that people need to have right now is getting GPT, getting the pro version, and trying to work it into your workflows for one. But then once you move beyond that and start to think of the other skills, I don't know, I start to think of the analytical needs as being kind of that next step in the in the evolution. What are your, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think to your point when you said like getting started, that I would say curiosity, just like have fun with it, get in there. And yeah, once you start seeing what it can put out, I, I think that's when some of those like triggering moments in your brain happen and say like, okay, if it can do this, um, you know, what can I, what can I learn from it? What can it, you know, understand that maybe I'm not seeing here? Um, and you start to get some of those thoughts. I think that's, that's the mindset is just playing around and then take the things that you've done with it and see where you can apply that to other problems you're having. Make a note of what problems you're having randomly through your week um, and then go back and say, okay, how could I tackle this um, in an easier way? I'm a strong believer that intellectual curiosity is a superpower. <laughs> and if you have that, it, it's only going to serve to benefit you not only in general work environments, but as we enter into this generative AI era, you really have got to try, be able to yeah. be willing to try things out and experiment a little yeah. bit. To your point there, it's because curiosity can be a natural thing that you have, but I think we can train ourselves to be curious. So if you don't have that, you know, innate drive to play around with stuff, it's something you can do. It's something you can get in the mindset and, and push yourself to do. Matt, it goes back to, I'll never forget, one of the first projects I ever worked on as a, a consultant in starting my own agency many, many years ago was on the Canadian geospatial data infrastructure. Now, okay, <laughs> just being intellectually curious allowed me to be fascinated by that. And so you can take... Two, thing, two approaches, either you're going to think, oh, some of the things that I'm doing are boring. But if you dive into any topic and you can find what's interesting and what the problem they're solving for on anything, that intellectual curiosity is a real superpower. And I think you're right, Matt. It's something that you can develop and nurture over time. But if you take that and nurture it, it's only going to serve you well throughout your entire career. I know that it's it's allowed me to not only learn about things like the CGDI, but also, you know, I had McCain's as a client one time. I know an awful lot about potatoes. I've, I've heard your potato talk. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to the next one. But I, I really am a strong believer in intellectual curiosity. And I think by nurturing that right now, it's the perfect time to just get out there and try and experiment. It's going to pay dividends 1 million percent. Okay, let's move on to our second hot take. What personal info would you give away for a good deal? So this is something published in Adweek. And it's bonkers and mind-blowing from a variety of different perspectives. But it was a survey of 2,000 adult consumers. And respondents largely did not trust AI advertising. That is not a surprise because most people 
don't have a really good understanding of AI and AI has become the villain. And we talked yeah. about this a couple of times uh, on the podcast. Uh, even if you're going to see Mission Impossible, the latest one, the villain is AI now. So we're, we're, we're seeing that everywhere. But so the trust part is not a, a, a real surprise here, but it gets interesting when 87% said that they would disclose personal info to save them money. Now, listen to some of these numbers here, Matt. 52% would share their birthday to get a discount. 43% would share the name of their spouse to get a discount. 36 would share the names of their children to get a discount. But this last one is mind-blowing. 34% would share their social security number to get a discount. Oh, that, this is face palm. That's crazy. And, and I'm, I'm hyper cynical. I'm like sharing it. Like when I go to uh, the website for a brewery, I like, I put in a fake birth date and I'm legal age. Like there's no reason to do it, but I still do that. Right. Like, I'm just naturally cynical about sharing information, I guess. Um, the fact that someone would share their social security number. You're right. Like it takes the words out of your mouth for, for any reason to get a discount on something. Uh, it's just the ramifications of having that data out there in the wild. And, you know, we live in this era where, Big corporations are hacked constantly. I would never trust anyone outside of a government entity with that information because a government entity requires you to yeah. share that information to do an exchange, whether it's your taxes or anything. Yeah. But the idea of giving, I don't know, Home Depot or Target your social security number to do a transaction. It's just... Uh, and and not that Home Depot or Target we're asking. This is just a yeah. theoretical <laughs> situation. We don't want them coming after us because we did not say that. But anyway, uh, we did. We they did not start this. This is just an example. I I can't even wrap my head around that. And it brings um to the forefront too. And this I know is external for me. <laughs> this is just stuff people would do. But as things like scams get more. In, evolved right that that's the that's the dark side and you know that that this many people are willing just to give away very personal information for you know 10 bucks off of whatever some shampoo who knows uh right it it, it it's concerning for me just from a you know economic standpoint how much money is going to be lost more to more efficient scamming than already is no, and I think of the older members of my family and the scams are just getting better and better. And when you think of things like voice synthesis and mm -hmm. all of those things, it's just going to get more and more difficult to understand what is real and what is fake and what is a scam and what is an obligation that you have to do. So, yeah, this one is a little bit mind-blowing. It reminds me of another thing that came out last week. So Matt had a meeting with Rewind.io, but there was another Rewind.ai that was making big waves <laughs> last week with this pendant. 
So a necklace with a little pendant, maybe the size of, I don't know, a tip of uh, a Sharpie pen, maybe even smaller. Um, not the tip, but maybe the cap, all right? Maybe yeah. half of a cap, if you're trying to think in scale here, yeah. maybe an inch or so. Anyway, it was a microphone recordable device. And so the idea is that you wear this pendant all day long. It records all of your interactions. So it's listening to what's happening, hearing the conversations that you have, and then gives you a summary of your day. Matt? So this is, <laughs> this is a Black Mirror episode. That's a Black yeah. Mirror episode, 100%. And it's funny because, you know, you said what? Uh, what you say? 87% of people are, you know, skeptical of AI and advertising. Yeah, the, these are, this is why. And I can see... The, the crazy thing is I can see the benefit, right? Like for sure, there's so much benefit to that, you know, but your mind gets going on all the little things like where's, where's this being stored? What's it being used um, to, you know, to train? What's it being used to sell to me? Right. So there's so that, many things yeah. wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, uh, like, okay. Even if you think of, personal romantic conversations that you're yeah. having medical whatever you're doing first dates yeah uh, or i don't know maybe have bio parts of the day like <laughs> yes. who wants that record like it's so it's so over the top uh i i i can't even i don't even know where to start with it and just not you know having control of that even if you had that even if it was a closed system and it's just going back to your own private server that is so much information out there that could get out there um but for it to be stored on some server in, <sighs> in palo alto or something you know it's um <laughs> that, a little that, concerning. that's one thing but like what are you gonna wear a big uh consent button do you consent yeah a, a lot of to allow me to record this all day long. Yep. Like a lot of places are two party consents. So that's another factor, right? I, I can't see this not triggering um, legislative uh, action from most countries. <laughs> well, there was a pretty big backlash, but yeah. I'm sure there's going to be people that use it. Anyway, it's been a crazy week. It seems like every week is a crazy week. But let's get down to our final section of the podcast, which is our pairing section. So this week, I have a special album near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite bands. It, well, let's not just say one of my favorite bands. It is my favorite band. Uh, and there's a couple of indicators of this. One, there's this piece of art right here that you can't see if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've got to keep that in mind, right? <laughs> is some sound wave art uh, from a song by Interpol. Okay, so Interpol is a band, my favorite band. Seen them too many times to admit, but this is some art in the background that's showing sound wave for probably their most familiar song. It's called Evil. It has a really great bass line to start the song. Uh, and then there's a little photo just to the left of the art, which is of Paul Banks, the singer, singing at uh, a concert that was at. I snapped that pic there. But 
Our song this week comes from the album Marauder, which is a really great album. Uh, for those watching this, you can see the album art here. Classic black and white Interpol. But, and for those of you that have never heard of them or never seen them, they're always wearing like Armani suits on stage playing indie rock. Like that's kind of their brand um, to really kind of go a little bit over the top on the dress and really not a lot of fan interaction either. Like, hello, we're gonna play our set. That was a great song and move on. But one of my favorite vinyl records in terms of the color, this sort of deep red album, Marauder. and the song that we're playing this week is if you really love nothing um this is uh, this is a, one of their singles right off this album and it's just a great album beginning to end so anyway this is a soft spot for me interpol and a great record and a great production of the vinyl in that deep nice. red but matt what are we pairing it with all right with the beverage this week so pairing it with the beverage this week and oh that that actually sounded good i i've, I've you wow. always hear that like cracking so i think that sounds uh, like a bob and doug mckenzie <laughs> skit. yeah i think the uh the audio only people got a treat there um so for this week um we have muskoka detour uh so this is always my go-to um go-to beer i guess you could say like if if i'm just gonna be stuck with one beer this would be the beer i have it's light it tastes like a bit of hoppiness but it's sort of that summer beer for me and it's even got the uh muskoka or adirondack chair whatever your uh whatever terminology you use for those nice those <laughs> wooden chairs yeah you know uh, that, that you're you'd be, in you'd be sitting on a deck yeah sitting on a deck <laughs> just having this and that so for me it's i'd say this is my like safe space beer it's you know what I'm awesome. comfortable with. Um, so getting into we're getting into more cold. It's been cold here all week. So um, now I'm looking into you know all right my summer beer's gone. I need to get out of my safe space just like uh, everything else uh, AI tech whatever. Uh, so that's well, it my, sounds that's delicious, my Matt. I'm gonna have to add that to the list. And I did find a small case. Or it was like an eight pack of uh, speaking of of beverages and fairly delicious. Although there's been some negative reviews, I did find the Coke AI mm. drink. Okay, and I got an eight pack like of the little uh, 300 milliliters. Sorry for our U.S. friends. I have no idea what that is in ounces. <laughs> I don't know, 10 ounces. Something I don't know, like that. Yeah. Something like that. I anyway, I, I did I did have it over the weekend and it was it was not bad. Okay. I, I liked it. I still haven't seen it, so I'll I'll keep an eye out for it because I wanna we'll have to do a taste test on our next one. It's I think it's a lot easier to find. I'll give you some tips. All right. It took me a little while to research it, but it's available. But anyway, well, thanks, Matt, for a great podcast this week. Yeah. And thanks, thanks to all sure. of you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Stay connected with us on LinkedIn by joining our newsletter or using the link in the description. And as always, thanks, Mom, for watching. See you later, everyone. Bye.